Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Brother Dan. This morning, we're going to be looking at what real love looks like. That's the title of our lesson. Our family theme is the fact that God is love, and we'll be certainly um, looking at that a little more deeper in our study today. Our objective is that we would understand God's nature is love, and that we would follow uh, the example He leaves for us, the example of love. We've got quite a few verses to do today, and I don't know how we're going to get through it, uh, but anyway, we're going to do our best. We'll be in 1 John 4, we'll be in Psalm 40, Ephesians chapter 2, Romans 5, and John chapter 3. We've got three key truths, if I can say it. Uh, Number one, God is perfect love. Is that true or false? Sure, it's true, okay. Number two, and here's a great one, God loves all people. Aren't you glad of that? Because His nature is love. And the third thing, God has shown us what love is. And so we got some scriptures on that as well. Under our Bible basics, we're encouraged to review uh, the books of the New Testament in order. Who's going to do that today? Let's begin. First, Second Corinthians, Galatians. Okay. Keep going. Come on, Rhonda. Okay. Philemon. Titus. Okay. Say it again. Yeah, we passed them up already. We've got Hebrews, James, first, second, third John. Yeah. Jude and Revelation. Okay. By the way, does anybody know how God makes his coffee? He brews it, yeah. Oh, see who who said it over here? Okay. Uh, I heard that I, I brother uh Gary's uh, birthday last year, one of his tidbits anyway. Let's do our, uh, get started. Well, how it fits, first of all, uh, no particular time period, uh, because we'll be in the Old as well as the New Testament, if we include Psalm in that, the book of Psalm. But the thing is, all over God's Word, we'll see, I think, snapshots of His love, because God is love. We're going to find that as well. I'll get started. Okay, thank you, Jason. Uh, I love blank. Oh, ice cream. Okay, what kind? Now, your name's not Joe, is it? Explain it to her later, will you, Wayne? Wayne, do you know what I'm talking about here? That's what the reporters asked Joe Biden. What's your favorite ice cream? Yeah, okay. All right, somebody else. I love what? Oh, thank you, Dan. That's good. Come on. Okay. Do what? Okay. I uh, I love country ham. 
Huh? Come on, Sandy. Your dad did too. Now, Dick Harvey? Mm-mm. Somebody else? The truth of the matter is, there are a lot of things we can love, isn't that, isn't that true? And whether it's ice cream, country ham, our spouses, uh, our kids, those are all important things. And so there are, are many things we can say that we love. But Lord willing, today we're going to find out from God's perspective uh, how God displays his love, how he shows his love toward us. So, again, uh, thinking about love, I, I think it's fair to say, suppose we ask 20 people to define love. What do you think we'd get? 20 different answers, because everybody sees it certainly in a different uh, kind of way. Now, again, you know, wh- whether it's loving a family member, uh, something, whatever it is, ice cream, citrus cereal, all of that, uh, we need to understand that uh, many of these answers involve our emotions. Isn't that true? Uh, and that's certainly how God has made us. But what's interesting is today we're going to ask the question, what is the deepest and purest kind of love? And, of course, the answer is found in the Scripture. Our first key truth is uh, God is perfect. And when First John chapter 4, will somebody volunteer to read verses 4, I mean, verse 7 through 19? And, Dan, I hope your book is right this week. It was wrong last week. Dan showed me. Thank you, Brother Dan. Brother Paul, it's not grass. You need to move over here where you belong. Okay, to make, I knew some, you know, some situation there, but if you need to move, you go ahead and do that. Okay, anytime we study God's Word, uh, one of the basic uh, premises for Bible study, uh, look for reoccurring words. And uh, we just read, Dan read for us quite a few verses here in John 4, 
What is a recurring, a reoccurring word we see in that, in those texts? Love. What's that tell us? Yeah, God is love. But there's something important here that God is trying to get across to us. Now, first of all, uh, we need to understand something. Uh, God is love. We know that. And Wayne, you're right. But love is not an immaterial idea that exists on its own. And by the way, how many know love is not something that humans have come up with on their own? On their own? We haven't designed that, you know. Uh, again, we read here in, in verses 7 and 8 that love uh, finds its origin uh, in the nature of God because God truly is uh, love. Now, what's interesting is this. And let me ask this in a way of a question. What is the difference in the way we love and the way God loves? Okay, God is perfect. That's true. It's not what now? What do you mean by that, Alan? So you're telling us that our love is not always unconditional? No, it's not. Now, it's interesting. And yeah, wow. God is perfect. His love is unconditional. So... And we just read this, but it makes sure we got this. Who does God love? Everybody, all people. Now, I don't know about you, but there are some people who have trouble loving, but not God. Like Alan said, it's unconditional. Cheryl, you're right, it's perfect. His love is not arbitrary. And we see it happening all the time in our world. People say they're in love with somebody. What happens? They stop being in love with somebody. One thing we never have to worry about. Whatever day it is, whatever day we wake up, we don't have to ask the question, God, do you still love me? What's the answer? He always loves us. His love is not Arbitrary. So that does that mean that God gets up every morning and says, well, let's see here. Let me make a list. I'm going to love this one and not this one. No. It doesn't change. And it doesn't change because love is part of his character. God is love. It's perfect love, as Cheryl said. And because he is love... He doesn't decide to love. It's part of his nature. It outflows from him. Now, most of you remember 1 Corinthians 13. It's all about uh, love. And Paul gives a description of what love is not and what it is. But at the end of the chapter, uh, Paul said, these, things ab- these three things abide, faith, hope, and love. But he said the greatest of those three are is love. Why would he say that? Why would he say that? Well, it's a fact, number one. That's that's good, Dan, okay? But hold on for a minute. When we get to heaven, will we need faith there? Nope. Don't need it there. So it's going to be gone. Now, we have a hope in heaven. When we get to heaven, will will we need that hope? It's gone. But will there be love in heaven? How do you know that? 
Say it again. Yeah, and God is what? He's love. He is perfect love. So, again, I think a very good point uh, to make uh, this morning. Now, it's just interesting. Uh, this love that God has, it is a perfect love. And my opinion is we cannot have it, that perfect love on earth, but does it mean we should not strive for it? No, we ought to strive for that perfect love. And, and so it's interesting here. Um, when we rightly know God, it helps us to begin to rightly love other people. We have God as our example. Now, remember, we can have all the good intentions you want, but that's not enough. We need to learn to love people the way that God loves people. And we need God's help. Because Jeremiah reminds us that our heart is deceitfully wicked. And he asks the question, who can know it? And so our hearts are wicked as well. Uh, the writer of Proverbs reminds us there's a way that seems right unto the man, right unto man, but the way thereof is destruction. So we can't trust ourselves. We can't rely upon ourselves. We have to trust and rely upon God. Now, also understand, unless we have a proper relation with God through Christ, there is no way, no way we can love the way God wants us to. We have to gain the perspective we get from knowing Him. Now, by the way, uh, does the world talk about love? Sure. All the time, you know. And But we have to understand um, the way they understand love is distorted because of sin. Because they don't know Jesus Christ of uh, uh, as their Savior. And the love the world talks about will always come short of bringing satisfaction. Complete satisfaction. Now, remember, because God is love, uh, because He first loved us, our knowledge of love comes from God. Because that's who God is. And, by the way, when we try to separate love from God's person, person that's when love begins to break down. And remember, Cheryl, you said earlier, God is perfect love, so he's our perfect example. Now, it's interesting. It's very important that John expresses this. And he speaks several times of knowing God through Jesus Christ. And when he makes that statement, he also makes a statement that that's exactly how love is matured. It comes to perfection through knowing Jesus Christ. And so, when we grow in Christ-likeness, that's when our, our love begins on a path of maturity. We become more and more and more like Him. And so, the Bible is clear here. Who are we to love? Everyone, we're to love others. And loving others, the scripture says, 
helps us to know God in a right way. And the reason is because God loves that way. He loves everyone. So, again, uh, and I'll be preaching this in James this morning later on, but the fact of the matter is we, we come near to God through obedience and then his life is, if we obey him, his life becomes magnified in our life uh, as we walk with him day by day. And so because God is love, and make sure we understand this, because he is love, what's one thing he has to do? Yes, to love. Yes, indeed. He can't help it. He is love. And so it's interesting. The actions and motive of God are very, very important because God does because He is. He loves because He is love. His action and motive are very, very important. And by the way, this is true for us as well. We have to know God if uh, we're going to love uh, the way He wants us to, if we're going to know what love really is. And we have to see that God's wisdom is perfect in all of its ways. Now, by the way, and I know you found this to be true, the more you love God, guess what? The more you want to be like Him. The more you obey God, the more you love Him. The more you worship God, the more you love Him. Now, any question on these verses we just covered right now, any question at all you might have, God is love, and what he expects us to do? To love each other. Okay, let's apply it. Make God your standard for what love is. Now, knowing what we know about God, my question would be today, in a way of discussion, how would you describe what real love is? How would you describe it? And remember, who's our example? God is. Say what? Oh, sacrificial. You're right. In what way? What did he, what did he sacrifice? Oh, yeah. So love is sacrificial. Um, what else about love? Say what? Say it one more time. What do you mean by that? Yeah, exactly. Come on now. But it's hard to admit, but it's true. But God's love is unconditional. He doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Well, what about if people don't treat us good? You're shaking your head there, Alan. It doesn't matter. Because I'll tell you what. Even now, there are times I don't treat God good like I should. But what about His love? It's simply doesn't change. So number one, God is perfect love. Number two, God loves all people because his nature is love. Psalm 40, all 17 verses. Anybody got nerve to read all that?
What a prayer. Amen. Now, this, this is a psalm of David. And it's interesting, our you know, key truth is the fact that God loves everyone. And David begins this psalm by giving God praise for lifting him up out of the miry clay. What do you, what do you think that refers to? What do you think that refers to? Probably his sinful life. First of all, was David a sinner? Yes. And we know uh, the sins that David committed. And I am so thankful that God didn't record my sins in the Bible like they did David. But he did. And David realizes he needs And this God who drew him up out of that miry clay and set his feet on solid ground reminds us that all of God, everything God does is consistent with his character. And because God is love, we see that carried out in all of his actions. Now, the truth of the matter is, well, let me do it in a way of a question. Who in the world is worthy to stand before God other other than Christ? No one. It's only because of his mercy and his love that we are qualified through Christ to stand before him. And so we have to see everything that God does for us 
everything that God does toward us, we have to see it in the light and the nature of his love. That is who God is. So in this psalm, we see a picture of God condescending and coming down, if you will, and bringing David out of the sinful nature, lifting him up out of that miry clay, and again, putting on that solid rock, that sure ground, but it's a picture of cleansing and washing his sins away. Here's what's so good about that. Because of God's love, because of his mercy, he's come down, he's lifted us up, and now, because of that, we have a new life, secure in hope, where at one time there was only hopelessness and despair. God has brought us out of that pit. And like David in verse 3, we are to uh, give praise because of God's wisdom and the value of God's ways are so clear when we begin to put them into practice. Now remember, God has called us away uh, from a life of deception uh, of our sin. And he's called us to a life of holiness. And we mentioned this a week or so ago. And we think about God's commandments. It's not because that God is wanting to burden us with something that we can't do. He wants our life to be as full as it can be. And the only way we can do that is to love and to obey God the way that we should. How many are glad this morning that God has rescued us from ourselves? Amen. Think about that. Thank you, Lord. You've rescued me from myself. And he did that. And he's shown us really what's truly good for us. Because, folks, God wants good for us. So anytime there's love, I mean, genuine love, genuine goodness, it always finds its source in God because God is love and God is good. All the time, that's right, Wayne. Now remember, God has given us a wonderful gift. He has shown us, displayed clearly for us what genuine love really really, really is. And think about this. And Sandy, you mentioned a moment ago, to me the greatest one is his sacrificial love. He's shown that clearly to us. And certainly everything God does is worthy of our of glory and our wonder. Have you ever tried to sit down and fully put into words how good God's been to you? Think about that. It's literally beyond description. So, I would say then that God probably gives us His love because we are so good. You're shaking your head, no, Wayne. No, that's not why. It's not why at all. 
You see, God doesn't give his love to us because of who we are or anything we've done. He gives his love to us because of who he is. And he's what? He's love. He is love. Of course, David is living in Old Testament times. And the law did require different sacrifices. And David realized the best he could do, the best he could do was to muster out the sacrifices and the law. But the problem was, and David realized it, they were never enough. We spent some time in the book of Hebrews. And how often did they have to how often did they offer sacrifices? Over and over and over again. David said that's not good enough. They could never be satisfactory enough. So when could we ever do enough to satisfy God? We can't. It has to be because who God is, He loves us. He's poured mercy and grace into our lives. Leroy Four Lines is in heaven now. I think it was back in the 80s. Uh, he he wrote a book, and I don't think he just did it in one year, but anyway, it came out in the 80s. And it was declared the best that came out that year. It was called The Quest for Truth. And here's what he said in that book, one of the things. When God's love is manifested toward those in misery and distress, we call it mercy. When God's love is manifested toward the ill-deserving, we call it grace. Because the emphasis is on the fact that it is unmerited. He goes on to say this. God's love towards sinners is mercy. In that they are in misery and distress, it is grace in that they are ill-deserving. I'm very glad for God's love today. We simply do not earn it. In verse 6 of Psalm 40, there's a reference to the opening of the year. And it literally in the Hebrew says, Ears you have dug for me. Ears, okay? And there's been consideration from theologians about what was David talking about there. And every year when I read through the Bible, I'm amazed when I come to Deuteronomy. And because uh, I got it written down before me today, chapter 15, I don't always remember what, what chapter it's in. 
But there was a, a law that after so, if you had a slave, after so many years, you had to let them go. But if that slave said, you know what, I, le- I love it here, you take good care of me, you know, you, I, I can't find any better than I've got it here, I want to stay here forever or till I die. Remember what they did to that slave? They take that slave, put his ear to the doorpost, and pierce it through with an awl. And that was a sign that that slave was there for the rest of his life. That's where he wanted to be. So again, it was a mark of a lifetime for this slave, a lifetime of service and acceptance. And many believe that this refers to that, implying in reference that you and I as Christians have a willingness to accept, uh, that God has a willingness to accept us and provide for us forever. Just as that slave owner would accept that slave and provide for that slave forever, God accepts us. I'm really glad that he does. And he provides for us forever. So my question is then, the fact that God is interested in us, is that based on what we can do for him? Why not? We can't. What does God need? He doesn't need anything. So it's not based on that. And uh, we we don't like to say this, but the fact of the matter, the bottom line is, does God really need us? No. He's the only self-existent person there is. And David said the problem is, my sins are so many, I can't even count them. David realized that. And by the way, how many of that's true for us? There's so many, they can't be counted. But I'm so thankful for God's unrestrained mercy that flows from His unending love. And folks, in this world, as long as we live in this world, and David addresses it here in our text in Psalm 40, we will always have enemies based on who we are or what we do. But my friend, God will always, always be the friend of those who seek him. What a friend we have in Jesus. And I want to say today, only God, the one who is love incarnate, is able to show such great compassion for a people like you and I who are so sinful and needy.
But aren't you glad that he did? Aren't you glad that he did? Let's apply it. We, just, we need to see all of our circumstances through the lens of God's love for us. Uh, let's, take, let's take one discussion question. Uh, what, what circumstances might cause us to doubt God's love for us? What are some things that might cause us to doubt God's love? Say it again. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah. What about when bad things happen to us? When we lose a loved one, whatever it is, those things would, could cause us to doubt God's love for us. But remember, it's important what you know. And we know what? He loves us. But what about? Yeah. Unconditional. God loves us. Number one, God is perfect love. Number two, God loves all people because uh, his nature is love. Number three, he didn't say he just didn't just say he loved us. He's shown us what love is. Anybody want to read Ephesians chapter two, verses one through ten? Okay, this, I know we're getting late on time here, but let me ask a question. Uh, Paul is writing here, of course, it's the Word of God, inspired. How does this passage show us that God loved us? What happened here? What's happened here? Amen. I mean, he made us alive. We were dead in our sins. We, we, we used to walk the way the world walks. We, we, we live for ourselves. We fulfill the desires of our flesh, of our mind. And we were children of wrath. But Paul reminds us it was God, and there's our phrase, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. So all of this, bringing us out of sin, making us alive in Christ, all of this is because we earn it? We deserve it? No, because God is love. And God showed us that love 
in exactly that way. Let's go to Romans 5, verse 6 through 11. Anybody want to read that? Thank you, Dan. Probably one of my favorite passages in the book of Romans. But nonetheless, uh, having heard what Dan just read, how do these verses tell us that God loves us or show us? What did he do for us? Okay, died. Say it again. Okay. <laughs> in fact, he died for us while we were yet what? sinners. And Paul says it's rare that somebody would die for a good man. But who did Jesus die for? All people, bad men and women. People who are sinners. While we were yet sinners. Wow. While we were enemies. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Let's go to that one. Sort of a rhetorical question, I guess, but how did God show his love here in John three sixteen? He sent his son to do what? Yeah. Well, here's what's thrilling too. He, you know, especially verse 17, because God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but he sent his son that we might be saved through him. What does God want? He wants everyone to be saved. So the bottom line is God blesses us that we might be blessings to others. And the gift of his love is no different. He loves us that we might be love, show love toward others. And so we read in Ephesians a moment ago uh, that God's demonstration of love is not based on how good we are or how bad we are. It's not based on merit in any way. We also found out in Romans 5, that God demonstrates that love in sacrifice. And Sandy, you mentioned a moment ago, God's love is sacrificial. And God showed the pure essence of that love in the death of Christ. Now hear me well. For people who are not worthy. People like you and I. 
So why did God do that? Say it again, Wayne. Because he loved us. That was his motive. That's what motivated him. And we have to demonstrate love just that way. It ought to be what motivates us. We need to love the world. Those in the world, not the world itself. And the great news is, he loved us so much. He sent his one and only son to die in our place that we might have the benefit of eternal life. Let's all stand together. Next week, we're going to be going into the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 3, and we're going to do a church checkup. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. And Lord, thank you for displaying your love for us in ways that we could never imagine. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless each one of you. Thank you so much for coming.